0: Hello class and welcome to uma 115, Social Policies, and we're now moving on to Week 7, Social Policies Implementation. But before we begin, let's just go through a little bit into our Copyright Notice. So this material has been reproduced and communicated to you by or on behalf of the University of the Philippines, and it's covered by the Intellectual Property Law of the Philippines, You are not authorized to reproduce or communicate this material, so just use it in learning Yume 115. So our topic today is quite interesting. It's social policy implementation, and I think it's apt given the conditions and the news that we have today. It's presidential elections in the U.S., and I do think that a lot of you are tuning in um, on your phones or on television as the results are coming in. So for the politics of implementation, I think one of the most important uh, concepts that we have to be able to define is power. So power is is important in all these uh, dynamics when we want to implement a social policy. So power is the ability to bring about some change in the behavior of others in the manner which one desires and or prevent one way to be modified in the manner in which one does not desire. So power is the ability to influence the actions or behavior of people. I think a lot of political scientists would say that power is the ability of person A to make person B do the things that uh, person B would not otherwise have done without the instructions coming in from person A. So in a way, it's about having that kind of control to elicit certain kinds of behavior from other people. And they're definitely important in social policy implementation because implementing a social policy requires coordination. It requires action among various types of individuals across different departments different offices so for example when you're thinking about implementing a universal health care law you're not just talking about uh, having uh, physicians but making sure that the law is passed through the congress it goes to the department of budget and management where you have uh, the budget uh, to be allocated it goes to the congress where the approval of the budget suddenly came in and and to the office of the president and then down into the healthcare system to our doctors, to our community health practitioners, and eventually to our patients. So these are requiring a lot of people to work together to uh, be able to implement a policy or a program. So power is definitely important in making sure that people are uh, pursuing the goals that you have set forth. Power and control, um, there are different uh, perspectives on how these things come about or how do you ensure that you can exercise your power in social policy implementation. So one is power control or the imperative model where political action is viewed as a command backed up usually by force. It is a system of interaction which performs certain functions by means of legitimate actions. The key word here is that there is usually force. And force usually comes with the fact that if you do not do what the government is trying to do, then you will face sanctions. It can be imprisonment. It can be you know being fired from your job if you're a member of the bureaucracy. Those kinds of different things are part of this power control imperative model and we should understand also the fact that as we said i think in the previous lecture the government or the state has the monopoly of violence in a way that they uh, have the police power to uh, ensure that people and individuals will be able to follow what they want to uh, ask you and then the other one is that it is legitimate well, legitimacy is very important in the implementation of policies because how will you follow no, the person or the leaders who are commanding you to do some things? No? They they must be legit, legitimate in a way. No, or their power to ask you to do something should be legitimate. And how does legitimacy uh, come about? So legitimacy in. Our case in a republican democracy like the Philippines comes with the elections, because you voted for them, you decided uh, to be to have them as your leaders uh, in an electoral process, and when they win, you, know, you follow what they uh, have to say, right? So because you have chosen them and you've given them authority to control, at least up to some extent, over you. Right? Not necessarily that you can't question them. Of course you can. You're also guaranteed that rights, but to some extent, um, when you and when the in a republican system of governance, if you give the, given them the control, no, and you voted for them, then you have given them the legitimacy to also be able to control or regulate some behaviors that you have, no, particularly in relation to society. Then there is the other type of um, models or perspective in which you can exercise power, which is bargaining. So it refers to situations where two or more players must, must reach agreement regarding how to distribute an object or monetary amount each player prefers to reach an agreement in these games rather than abstain from doing so. However, each prefers that agreement which most favors his interest. So bargaining means that if you have different interests, for example, you try to bargain and you try to to discuss, right? You engage in a dialogue where you try to advance your interest by striking up an agreement with the other person so that you can decide together. So usually in coming up with laws, a lot of policymakers have things that they want to do but of course sometimes uh, particularly if you are deciding with a big number of people you cannot just do what you want to do right you have to bargain so there are things that you have to give up there are things for example that you have to minimize such as you know in provisions for example the length of uh, or the budget if they cannot give you 800 million you just have 200 million for your constituencies but at least you have some amount. For example, that's one type of bargaining but of course uh, that bargaining means that at the end of the day your objective is to come up with a resolution that is both um, beneficial to all of you. And then there is collective bargaining. It's a type of negotiation between decision makers and groups or unions aimed at reaching agreements and the bargaining involved in uh, a labor union and the directors of a company negotiating wage increases, the dispute between two communities about distribution of a common territory, the conditions under which two countries can start a program on on nuclear um, disarmament. So these are types of collective bargaining. So when collective bargaining happens, it means that you don't represent yourself no when you bargain but you uh, ask someone to represent you or ask someone to represent you and your other uh, the other members in a community where you belong so that they can lobby for you so that is how collective bargaining is in this case in a labor union you've given the right no yung the 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 head of the labor union or the negotiator for the labor union to represent you in any discussion between the company owner for example so that is how we look into collective bargaining then the bargaining theory it deals with the non zero sum games so when you say non zero sum game i think you will encounter this a lot particularly a lot of you might go into the policy circle or into career and development, whereas zero-sum game means that, you know, if you win, if you achieve what you want uh, or what you wanted, the other party uh, will basically get nothing. That's zero-sum game. But in bargaining theory, it's not that case because both of you should be able to at least get something, no? come up with a mutually agreeable solution. So, hindi siya talo. No, win-win ang situation that we want to uh, have so both parties, or all parties, have common interest in bargaining for a solution which improves the outcome for at least some and worsens it for none. And then there's gaming, right? So a lot of American academics really like this, the game theory. It's a study, study of strategy and tactics. The objective is to minimize losses and maximize gains. I don't know if you're familiar with this, with game theory. So it's the study of rational decisions in situations in which two or more participants have chosen to make the outcome depend on the choices made by each of the team. So one of the classic examples of this is the prisoner's dilemma. I don't know if you've heard of this, but I think you will encounter this in a lot of um a lot of your subjects and later on in life, I think, very important with prisoner's dilemma is the fact that, for example, here if you look into the diagram into your, into your PowerPoint, you can see that um, in the prisoner's dilemma, there are two prisoners, and the assumption here is that they are both a uh, party to a crime. Okay, so the prisoner A and prisoner B. They have the ch- a choice, no? So the first choice is that they will both confess because they wanted to defend themselves, and they will implicate the other person. But the thing is, if they both confess, they will get at least both five years of imprisonment, no? On the other hand, if the other person, if you can see on the top here, if the other person confess and the other one remains silent, then the person who remained silent will get 20 years in person and the other one will be set free on the other hand if person a remains silent and person B um, confesses then person a will get 20 years imprisonment Uh, but if both of them again would confess they will get um, imprisoned for um, if b- both of them, sorry, will remain silent, um, they will just get one year of imprisonment if the two of them uh, did not spill out the secrets of what they've done. But in this case, if you look into the diagram in the prisoner's dilemma, more or less, the outcome will be the outcome A, where both of them confess. Because if they confess, they thought that by confessing, they will be able to get away with the crime no, and implicate the other person because these two you know, you know each of them are pursuing their own self-interest and that is usually what game theory is trying to say to us is that people are self-interested and they will just care about themselves so in the end um, it is ki- ki- quite difficult to come up no, with a mutually agreeable solution because people are in general self-interested and self-maximizing of their, their choices Okay, so that's one perspective. The other perspective is negotiation, where it involves a dialogue intended to resolve disputes, to produce an agreement upon courses of action, to bargain for individual and collective advantage, or to craft outcomes to satisfy various interests. So in negotiation is the same case. Um, As we've seen in bargaining, but in negotiation, it can either be lose, lose, lose win, or win more. Um, It it doesn't necessarily lead to a mutually beneficial solution, but in negotiation is you try to argue harder, you try to engage in a dialogue, but you want to win, right? When you engage in a negotiation, you want the best type uh, of outcome that will be for you. No? So that's why it's unlike um, negotia- uh, unlike sorry, uh, bar- bargaining and negotiation, usually it can be a zero-sum game. There will be some who will win and there will be some who will not win. But also there can be negotiations where both of you are winning. <clears throat> okay, the negotiation model is a frame- framework of strategies that guide trained crisis negotiation personnel towards a successful conflict resolution. Um, There are also political stumbling blocks where there are obstacles, hindrances, and difficulties standing in the way of progress in understanding. Um, But before we go there, before I go into the other other, uh, perspectives on power, in social policy implementation. I think these are very important because when you implement a social policy, may it be a health or an education uh, policy, you will deal with the, a lot of people and a lot of these people have really varying interests and you have to be able to at least have some kind of um, ability to discuss and talk and settle differences and particularly those of you coming from human ecology coming from development communication these are two transdisciplinary courses i think it's really important that we uh, are able to at least advance our interests, but at the same time not uh, socially exclude or uh, not take advantage of the other party right so that's the kind of outcome that we would like to have but this is the reality that I think you would appreciate more if you begin working in the Congress, begin working in the government where a lot of things, um, are a a lot of good ideas are not necessarily implemented not because they're bad, technically, but because uh, a lot of people failed in terms of strategies, of strategizing on how to deal with things, right? Okay, so we deal now with the pathologies or the not-so-good things. Okay, so patronage is one of the things that we would like to get rid as much as we would, right? In, In social policy implementation. It's the act of supporting or favoring Uh, Some person or group or institutions in politics, it is defined as the practice by holders of political office by appointing their followers or fellow party members to possession even if they do not deserve it or they're not meritorious um, appointments. It is used to describe the corrupt use of state resources to advance the interests of groups, families, ethnicities, or races in exchange for electoral support. So, Patronage. Uh, the difficulty that you have with here is that I think, in, especially in the Philippines, your relationship sometimes is more important than merit, right? So we hire, we support people because we feel sympathy for them, no? Without or because they are related to us. And uh, I think one of the most important concept that comes into play in our country is the concept of utang na loob. So when you have utang na loob, if somebody has done good deeds to you in the past, then you have to give it back. If you don't, you will be branded as walang utang na loob, walang hiya. And in Asian culture, such as ours, uh, losing face is like a big no-no, particularly in our country, which is... Um, shame culture. The main difference between the West and the East, I don't know if you've encountered that in the past, but in in the West, they are mostly guilt culture. So even if no one sees what they've done, if they've done something wrong, they felt guilty for it and they think that it's bad. But in countries like us, it's shame culture. So we do things, um, we are compelled to do things or feel wrong about the things that we've done if there are Someone who is watching, so, <laughs> or someone knew about the things that we've di- we've done. So that's how we sort of um, feel guilty about the things that we did. But losing face is definitely no no, right? So back to utang na loob. Um, in in a way, it encourages patronage because sometimes that utang na loob goes into our political system where people are hired out of the fact that some politicians or some family friends have done something good for them in the past and uh, that has become the reason for them to get appointed into political positions when in fact political positions should be based on merit and then you have the prerequisite or privilege it's the gain or profit regular salary or wage ideally of course everyone has privilege in government because they get elected they get paid for it qualification required is a necessary condition for something to follow such as an admission advancement award benefit privilege it's a protection from being sued for libel or slander so in the philippines if you're the president for example you have some immunities and that is also granted to our lawmakers no But that is in the context of discussions of public policy. If you say something outside of that and you committed a criminal act, then of course you can still be culpable for it. Kaya meron tayong justice system, meron tayong impeachment, meron tayong. uh, ibat ibang paraan, no we have the Civil Service Commission as well, we have the Sandigang Bayan. So these are different institutions that serve as our safeguards against abuse by government officials. So if there's something that I'd like you to um, take into the social policy implementation, I think it's the importance of the fact that um, one, it involves a lot of people working with a lot of people. So. Power and strategies are really important, and I think you would appreciate that as we go through the model House of Representatives. Um, And I think it's really important also that while we look into the technical side of our policy, we should equally be invested with strategy. But at the same time, as I said repeatedly, Uh, you should not forget the ethical dimension of it. The honor side of our excellence in UP, for example. Uh, Okay, so I think I hope you've learned a lot from our week 7 discussion. I hope to see you on our week 8 discussion and have a great week. Thank you.